thank you, Andy. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share with you this week and uh, this morning. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to be able to uh, share with you uh, from the Word of God. Uh, I've entitled my sermon this morning, Open My Eyes. Open My Eyes. You know, it's easy to miss something that you're not looking for, isn't it? Easy to miss something, even if it's right in front of you. So I want you to look at this uh, next picture. Go ahead and hit that next slide. I want to know, what, what do you see? This is the part where you talk back. It's okay. A face looking left. How many see a face looking left? Can you see that? Anybody see anything else? An yeah, an Eskimo going into his igloo. Now, can, now how many can see the Eskimo going into the igloo? Yeah, you didn't see it before, though, did you? All right, how about the next slide? What do you see? A face. Everybody see a face? Yeah, what else do you see? A saxophone. Yeah, a saxophone player. So you see, it's, it's easy to miss what you're not looking for. And sometimes we just see that first thing and then we miss the other that's right there in front of us. It's easy to miss what we're not looking for. And just as it's easy to miss what you're not looking for in the physical world, it's the same with the spiritual world. There are spiritual realities, there's spiritual blessings all around us every day. And we may miss them simply because we're not looking for them. We don't have the eyes to see. And so our prayer needs to be, open my eyes, Lord. Russell Conwell went all over the world giving a speech that he entitled Acres of Diamonds. And this speech was so popular and he was uh, so much in demand that he actually made enough money from just going all around the world giving this speech that he founded Temple University. Now, don't worry, I'm not charging you that much, all right, you know. Um, but but uh, Russell Conwell, by giving this speech, Acres of Diamonds, was able to found Temple University. So I'm just going to share with you this morning an abbreviated version of that story uh, from about Acres of Diamonds. Um, and he tells it, so this is supposedly a true story, so you need to keep that in mind. But before I tell the story, I, I want us to look at the scripture that's going to be the foundation of how this story fits in. And if you have your Bibles, open them up to 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. Uh, we're going to begin uh, with verse 8. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, it's all right. It'll be up on the screen. You can follow there. So let me give you a little background first. The 
king of Aram and the king of Israel were at war. And so the king of Aram figured out that he was going to set an ambush for the king of Israel and, you know, win the battle. But every time he set up an ambush, the Spirit of God told the prophet Elisha where he was at. And so Elisha then would go to the king of Israel and tell him, you better avoid that place. And that happened over and over again until the king of Aram got frustrated. He thought he had a mole in his generals. And the generals say, no, but the prophet in Israel, Elisha, he's the one that warns the king. So here we go with the text. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I'm going to set up my camp in such and such a place. And the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. Now, this enraged the king of Aram, and he summoned his officers and demanded of them, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Well, go and find out where he is, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. And the report came back, he is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there they went by night and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and he went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Psalm 119, 18 says, Open my eyes to see wondrous things in your word. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. You know, it's possible to be in the middle of wondrous 
amazing things and just not see them. There was a man who lived in India by the name of Ali Hassan. He was a poor farmer with a meager harvest each year. He just had a little plow and a meager cabin, one ox and a cow. He was by no means a wealthy man. He had just enough to scratch out a living and just to barely get by each year. It was a harsh life. He had to work from sunup to sundown every day of the year. He would plow his fields and he would work hard. And one of the things that especially frustrated Ali Hafel was the rocks that he would plow up. I mean, when he described all the big black rocks, every time he would plow and have to set them aside, it reminded me of southwest Missouri or southeast Kansas. All right. Any farmers? All right. You got rocks? All right. That's kind of how it was for Ali Hafel. Well, one day a traveler came by. And back then, there weren't many hotels. And especially in remote areas, so there was an obligation of hospitality. Anytime somebody came by, you were under obligation to be a host for this traveler. And this traveler was from the Middle East, and he, he passed by. And so Ali, Ali Hafed and, and his wife welcomed this traveler into their little cabin. The traveler began to tell a story that night as he was being entertained by Ali Hafed. And he said, you know, it is a shame that you have to work so hard. I know that you work very hard every day and you're out there with your plow and you're digging up rocks and you're setting them aside. But Ali, have you not heard? Is there is a place called the Valley of the Moon. And there are these two mountains and there is a stream that flows down the center of the Valley of the Moon. And all that you have to do is to go to this place and reach down into this stream and just scoop out diamonds. And if you would do that, you would become wondrously, fabulously wealthy. Well, the traveler left. And Ali went back to work. Day after day, he would plow his field, dig up them big, ugly black rocks, set them aside, plant his crops, pray for water. But every day as he worked, he mulled over the traveler's words to him and began to picture this valley of the moon with the stream going through it and just 
dipping his hand into the stream and pulling out diamonds. Finally, it got to him. And he, he gathered his family together. And he told them, he says, I'm selling the farm. And I am going to India to search for diamonds. So he sold the farm. He put the money in a little sack. He kissed his wife goodbye. He hugged his children. He found temporary lodging for them. And he said, boys, when I get back, you will sit on thrones like the kings of old. We are going to be fabulously wealthy. It's going to be a wonderful life. So he left the farm and he set out in search of diamonds in the valley of the moon. He did find the valley of the moon, but there were no diamonds to be found. And he kept searching. He ended up in Barcelona, Spain. And in Barcelona, there he wrote a letter to send back to his wife. And this letter simply said, there are no diamonds anywhere. He sent that note, and then in despair, he jumped into a raging, swollen stream, and he drowned. And that is a tragedy. It's a sad story. But it's not over yet. This is where it gets really interesting. And again, let me emphasize, this is a true story. There was a man who bought the farm from Ali Hafed. And he began working it, you know, the same way that Ali Hafed had worked it. He bought the same plow, the same ox, the same cow, the same meager cabin. And he was working the fields in that same land with that same plow. And he also found the black rocks annoying. And one day as he plowed up one, he picked it up to set it aside. But the sun kind of glinted in it. And he thought, well, that's kind of pretty. And so he took it back to his cabin and he set it up on the mantle. A couple days later, the uh, local priest came by to welcome this man and his family to the community and to invite them to get involved in, in the church and all the things that took place in the community. And as they were talking, all of a sudden this priest noticed this rock on the mantle. And in mid-sentence, he said, where did you get that rock? And the man said, well... I just found it out in the field. There's lots of them like it, but I thought this one was particularly pretty. And this priest looked at him. He says, do you know what this is? This is the biggest diamond in the rough that I have ever seen. 
This is a diamond. Sure enough, they had it analyzed. And back in the 1800s, that one rock was worth $25,000. And Ali Hafed's farm, do you know what it was turned into? It became the largest diamond mine in the world, the famous Golconda Diamond Mines. And if you're not familiar with the Golconda Diamond Mines, this is where the Queen of England would buy all of her diamonds because these diamonds were so pure and such high quality. The diamonds in her crown and all of her jewelry, the Queen of England got from the Golconda Diamond Mines. Think about this. The man who threw himself into that river in Spain and took his life, he never realized he had actually been living on acres of diamonds. Everything that he thought was somewhere out there. The answer to all his dreams was someplace else, was actually right beneath him all the time. But he just didn't have the eyes to see it. He couldn't appreciate what God had given him. Bible reminds us that wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. In other words, if you're always looking someplace else for your satisfaction, for your joy, for your contentment, you're not going to find it. Oftentimes, we miss the good in the marriage that we are in or the ministry that we've been given or the job that we have or the opportunities that have been given to our children that God has blessed us with, we miss that. And we don't realize we too are living in acres of diamonds. When we're going through difficult times, times of struggle, we need to realize that God has placed us here and just perhaps if we can have our eyes opened, we may see acres of diamonds. Too often we can't see the hidden potential in the job that we have or the current relationships that, that we're a part of or the location where you're living. And you always think that the answer to your dreams is always somewhere else. When in reality, 
The answer to your dreams might just be at the ends of your fingertips. And the only way you're going to see it, though, is if you pray, God, open my eyes that I may see. Before making a big change in your life, before deciding to walk away from a job or a marriage or a relationship or some other situation, you need to be reminded that just maybe you're walking away from acres of diamonds. When we read the story of the prodigal son, you have to, you have to wonder, what was he thinking when he left his father's house and all the blessings that his father had for him right there where he was. And I'm pretty sure he had friends who were filling his head with all kinds of crazy ideas. In fact, you know, the Bible doesn't say it, but I think he was probably a teenager, all right? You know, and you know, all of the friends at school are saying, oh man, your old man, he just has you under your thumb. If you could just get out from underneath your old man, oh, life would be so good. Then you could do what you wanted. Nobody would tell you what to do. You just need to lead because happiness, oh man, it's out there. That's the kind of stuff that filled his head. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Good life is out there. And prodigal son wasn't until later that he realized that he had been living in acres of diamonds. And you know the story of how he went and he spent all of his father's wealth and riotous living and, and then all of his friends abandoned him and he was starving and he you know, he, he sold himself out to take care of pigs, and he was so hungry, he wanted to eat the pig slop. And the Bible says that he came to himself. In other words, his eyes were opened, and he realized where he was and what he had back home. And, and he says, I'm going to go back home, and I know that I don't deserve to be a son anymore, but my father's servants are, are better off than I am. So I'm going to go back home and I'm going to beg just to be a servant. And you know the story how the father was looking and waiting. And, and when the son was coming, the father ran to greet him. And, and before the son could even say, you know, father, forgive me, I just just make me a servant. The father yells for the fatted calf to be slain, put a robe on him and a ring. And he said, we're going to rejoice because my son, my son who was dead is now alive again. And it was at that moment that the prodigal son realized I had been living in acres of diamonds. People, we, we desperately need to teach young people today 
that what they're looking for isn't to be found out there, someplace else. Joy's not out there with the Hollywood crowd or then the lies of culture, the lies of society. We need to teach our people that contentment, happiness, inner peace, joy is found right here, right now in the kingdom of God. That's where those things are found, people. But we just got to pray for our eyes to be open so that we can see it. If you've got Jesus Christ in your life, you already have blessings unimaginable. You are wealthy beyond compare. See, too often we just think about the ifs. Oh, if I could just get that one job, if I could just have that house, if I could just get that car, if I could just enlarge to a certain point my business, oh, if I could just make it big enough, ah, then, then I could be happy. And the ifs are always pointing us out there that we don't understand we're living in acres of diamonds if you have your health and your soul is right with Jesus and you've got your wife or your husband and your children right there with you yes you may be going through struggles you may be going through some trials and some hardships, some, some difficult times. But what you have in Jesus Christ right now, it's worth going through the heat and the pressure because you know that there's diamonds in every crisis and every pressure situation. See, in the process of making a diamond, it takes two things. It takes time and pressure. See, a diamond is born out of intense heat and pressure. Without heat and pressure, do you know what you have instead of a diamond? Coal, <laughs> a rock. But only when that lump of coal is placed under the right amount of pressure and the, for the a right amount of time does it turn into a diamond. It's the same with you and me. We need to teach people not to run from their trials, not to run from hardship or difficulty because in them you will learn more, you will become more, you will do more if you just stick with it and pray for God to open your eyes to see the potential. God knows exactly what's involved in the birthing of a diamond and he knows how to birth a diamond out of you or your marriage, 
for your relationship with your children or your grandchildren. People too often forget there are acres of diamonds to be found in the marriage that you have because you go through a pressure situation and some hard times and you just forget. You don't stick it out. And there's acres of diamonds in every church and every ministry. But people, we've got to be willing to pray and ask God, open our eyes so that we can see and not just center in on the negative, but we need to be able to pray, Lord, open my eyes so that we see the potential in every person and every situation. And when we pray that, we may just discover that we've been living in acres of diamonds. Stories told of a ship that was in distress. See, they had they were had been out at sea and they had weathered a powerful storm. This storm went on for weeks and they were fortunate not to just capsize and drown. But the problem was that storm, all right, threw them off course and it also caused them to have to use up all of their fresh water supply. And so they were literally dying of thirst on the ship. And back then, the only way to communicate, you know, this is before radio and all that, was with flags. And so they saw another ship on the horizon. And so, you know, they got out the flags and they, and, and they sent a message to this other ship and they said, we need water, please help. And the ship saw that message and they responded back, let down your buckets. And the captain then sent back this message, no, you don't understand. We are thirsting to death. We need water. But the other ship sent back that same message again. And they said, let down your buckets. So the captain didn't understand but in desperation, he let down his bucket and what he brought up was pure, clean water. Because what he didn't realize is in that storm, they ended up 200 miles out in the sea where the mighty Amazon River empties into the ocean. And for 200 miles where it empties into the ocean, the heavier salt water sinks and the lighter fresh water rises to the top. See, all the time that those men were dying of thirst, there was water beneath them that would quench their thirst 
and allow them to live. I think it's the same way in life. There are people who are thirsty for meaning, for purpose, for satisfaction in their life. And they are desperate and they're searching. But all they have to do is let down their buckets and the Savior of the world is willing to give them living water that will satisfy, it will heal, and it will restore. If you're seeking and you're searching, if your life seems dry, then I just encourage you, let down your buckets and the Savior of the world will give you living water, unending, and it will satisfy your greatest longing and your greatest need. Open my eyes, Lord, to see the acres of diamonds in my life. And Lord, I thirst. Fill me with living water. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation, decision, commitment. Andy's going to come and, and uh, receive any who want to come. This is a time for you to make a decision. Maybe you've never let down your bucket. You don't understand about the living water. This would be a good time to do that, people. Or maybe you just need to say, you know, I've been... I've been wandering away too much. I thought everything was out there, but now I realize this is here, is acres of diamonds, and I'm going to partake. So let's stand as we sing.